Good morning, everyone. Wow, so nice to see you all. Beautiful day today outside. Undisputed, right? Beautiful day. The uh, purpose of Buddhist practice is mostly compassion. The purpose of doing Buddhist practice is to awaken, create, spread, understand compassion, really do compassion, the purpose of our practice. And one of the uh, supports for awakening compassion and doing this practice, staying on this path, uh, our wonderful speaker last week, Terry Conrad, mentioned that he said, the greatest protection is emptiness. So those of you who were here, remember that? How important that was? The greatest protection is emptiness. And we talk about emptiness quite a bit. We chant it. We, we chant it courageously without really analyzing every sentence that we chant when we do the Heart Sutra. We're forever talking about emptiness. Eyes are empty. The body is empty. Everything you see is empty. So what is emptiness? And how do we practice with emptiness? I want to talk about this a little bit because when we have our wonderful session that starts day after tomorrow that we've been preparing for for quite a long time, this wonderful teacher of Dharma comes and people are coming from all over the country to attend the session. We will have a chance to uh, settle down in our minds, which is another important part of our practice to allow us to settle down into our beings and get a glimpse of this thing that we're doing that um, is related to emptiness. So that's what we're getting ready to do, which will then, um, if the world can be logical, enhance our compassion. That's what we're getting ready to do. So emptiness is a really important teaching, understanding, realization in our in, in Zen, in Mahayana. And it's come to be um, something we take for granted. But what is it? What is emptiness? So first I'll say what it, what it, what, how we don't see emptiness. And how we don't see emptiness is that we see things. We see beings and cushions and objects, <laughs> creatures, situations, buildings. We see things. And so we are forever putting uh, labels on these things. We're, we are forever, all the time throughout the day, putting a little label on something and separating it out into an existence. This is what we do. We label things all day long, and another word for that, which I, I really like, well, here's another word that's intermediate between that and what I like, which is project. We project our mind out onto things all day long, all the time. So I project my mind onto you, and you are projecting your mind Wherever you're looking, if right now it's me, you're projecting your mind onto me. What you're seeing is your mind. 
This is a really important teaching in Zen, in Buddhism. Um, I'm projecting my world onto you, and you're projecting your world onto everything you see. So another word for this, this is one I like, I'm setting you up for it, decorate. I'm decorating you with my mind. <laughs> and you are decorating everything you see with your mind. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Have you ever seen, there are these shows, I saw one a long time ago, which is made, their artists do these things where they set up projectors on a building. Have you seen these? Okay, so what happens is a bunch of projectors are set up like, for instance, if it were set up on our building, it would take into account the, um, the, the structure, but it would have other things going on. It might have dragons coming out of this opening and uh, waterfalls coming down the walls. They're very creative. They're amazing. So you watch it, and you get to watch your mind going along with this projection. And then it goes away, and the building is back. So that's one of the things that... Artists help us see that we are doing all the time. Except in that situation, we think both things are real. We think we're watching a, a real art exhibit. And then when it goes away, we're watching a real building. That's what we project. So we decorate. And when uh, we're out at the land, which I'll say something about for our session, gathering the mind, intensive retreat, we will walk around labeling things. So let's say here's our Tonto. She's going to have a lot of responsibility out there. Um, you might see her and you might hang the word Gale on her. Or you know her Dharma name is Jika, Earth Song. You might say Earth Song. You'd label that. Or Tonto. Or um, what else could we label her with? Scary person. <laughs> She's judging me. <laughs> She'll help me. She's nice. She's not nice. She's smart. She's uh, kind or all the things you label. So when when you look at her on the land or you can look at her right now, what you see are a thousand labels walking around. Isn't that amazing? She's decorated with all the labels that all of us are hanging on her. And each of you is decorated in the same way. Inside you know you're not the labels, or you you forget. We all forget. We forget. They've labeled me as something, so they said I was giving the Dharma talk, so I cooperated. Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Inside, we also label this self. So one of the most important um, efforts in Buddhist practice is to free each of us from that label that we're putting on ourselves. Take it away. There is a self. There's a very small self, not small in the sense of um, uh, unimportant, but so subtle. There's a subtle self, and it's unlabeled. And there is a consciousness that is aware of real reality without labels. There is a consciousness. And it exists even when the work, the mind is thinking. There is this consciousness that's aware of who you really are and who and what's really going on. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. And then we label all day long and see and label and label. And 
the um this this became very important to label this understanding in Buddhism a long, long, long time ago and try to try to help people um relate to this separate sense of self. The Buddha talked about it all the time. We separate ourselves from a reality by having a separate self, believing we have a separate self. We're all a true self merged with this wonder. Hard to see. So one of the ways to uh, that uh, the early Prasangika, if you want to know, but um, the Tibetans also, one of the ways that they help us take this next step is by um, describing it as conventional reality and ultimate reality. Okay? So conventional reality, we're having a convention right now. We agree that there are windows behind me. We agree. We see this conventional reality. And then ultimate reality is the part that only our deepest consciousness is aware of. The beauty, the wonder of ultimate reality. It's always going on. And we're very, mostly, almost all the time, cutting that off with labels. Okay. So in the... um, in this teaching that Zen is built on, there's conventional reality and there's ultimate reality. But here's something I'm going to throw at you. There's also bad conventional reality and good conventional reality. Isn't that nice? <laughs> this is a hard concept because uh, those of us um, who've been raised in not all the West, but in uh, most of the West and most of America have a hard time with the words bad and good, don't we? We really do. Bad means you're going to hell. Good means you're going to heaven. It go, we go right there. Bad means I'm a bad person. Good means, well, I can't even say it about myself, right? I'm a good person. There's so much doubt in there. So... Last time I, I talked, I talked about the, um, the teachings of this woman whose name I think is pronounced Batya Mesquita. Not 100% sure. And she, she wrote a book called Between Us. Um, what's it called? How Cultures Create Emotions. And in our world, the way we are taught to have emotions from the very beginning is, um, in America, we need a lot of praise. We need to have communications given to us surrounded by warmth. And the woman who wrote the book is a a scholar and researcher who was raised in the Netherlands, where they're not really raised that way. They, people from, people who are Dutch, and we have a, we have a Dutch member. He's not here right now, but when he heard about this, he said, well, of course, you don't need to say all of that stuff. Just say, can't do it. But in America, you have to say, well, I'm really sorry, I can't do it, but I'll get back to you and propose an alternative time, and I love you, and you're the best person on the planet. <laughs> and for our member, he's he's still puzzled by this. Can't you just say, won't work for me? <laughs> and so when she, this when the author moved to the United States, her colleagues at the at the college took her aside to tell her. You're, pers- you're very rude. <laughs> <laughs> so she had to learn how to talk to Americans 
we have this train we're trained that we uh we need a lot of emotional verification of communication so once we know that that's good conventional reality when we know we're operating in that way that's good conventional reality when we know we're label labeling everything that's conventional reality still but it's called good because we we're suspicious of how our minds are working so-called bad conventional reality is when I'm completely oblivious. It's just, there's Kent, there's the wall. Um, this is good, this is bad, this is true, this is false. That's the way it is. That's called conventional reality, bad conventional reality. <laughs> what else could it be? It could call, be called, um, what could it be called? Uh, unawakened conventional reality. And the good conventional reality is slightly awake. It's awake. I'm labeling, I'm decorating all of you with my mind. So, Dogen Zenji doesn't mention, Dogen Zenji, the founder of Soto Zen in Japan and the biggest school of Zen in the world, I think, the best school of Zen. <laughs> Very important school of Zen. Dogen Zenji wrote a lot, brilliant writings, long time ago, um, lots of poetry. So he doesn't say conventional reality, ultimate reality, good and bad conventional reality. But when you when you are aware of these, you see it everywhere. So you see it in his writings. You see that that's the basis, that he wants us to see. The reason we do this sitting practice is to let the mind settle, to get a feeling for the uh, untrue world we're creating and labeling. And still it's beautiful. Dogen doesn't say that it's not, not beautiful, the world that we're creating. It's just that we're creating it. So with what mind do you want to create that world that you're creating? With what mind? We will have teachings on the um, four boundless minds, joy, sympathetic joy, compassion, loving kindness, and equanimity. That's a mind. Those are minds that we cultivate knowing that from those minds we create reality and uh, equanimity that that fourth one why is it so important why do you think equanimity is so important because this emptiness teaching is pretty darn scary actually we aren't seeing what's really there i'm decorating what's really there i can't see it and if you do see it, it's so beautiful that you kind of want to go back to scale. Scale. She's not this dazzling, radiant bodhisattva. Well, she is. But. <laughs> Reality, Kennedy, when you get a glimpse of the emptiness of things, they say, if it kind of scares you, that's kind of a good sign. When you see that things are not what you think and it disturbs you, that's kind of a good sign. You don't, we don't just immediately um, latch on to a new certainty. We kind of stay in this, oh, what is going on? What is, who am I? Who is this? So again, Dogen's teachings for how to behave in Sashin, which we're doing in a couple of days. Vicky, our other tanto, is out there now, continuing to 
this is really funny. She's continuing to label things out there. <laughs> Vicky, if you're watching, thank you for labeling bins. <laughs> so there are uh, bins full of the bedding, very clearly labeled, and doors and rooms and things all labeled. So we can let our mind relax because Vicky's doing the labeling. <laughs> but that the session that we will do with this amazing teacher, Tenshin Roshi, amazing source of the Dharma, um, is made by us. So it's not like we're going out there and there will be hosts hosting us. We make it. There's the Tanto, Royce and Trisha are the Where's Trisha? Right there. <laughs> oh, we decorate you. <laughs> Eno. <laughs> Eno. So the Eno, Enos are the caretakers of the practitioners. Tanko takes care of the practice. But we all take care of everything. And then everybody who's out there will have a task to shape the session. And the task that I will have this time uh, with Jim Tebow our wonderful senior member and graphic designer, we will be Tenzo, which means we'll be cooking. And we have already been cooking. And Royce has been cooking already. And Patrick helped cook. So a lot of cooking has been going on in preparation for the uh, the hungry. It's amazing how hungry you get just sitting there. Just sitting there upright burns a lot of calories. <laughs> So if any of you want to burn calories, come to session. <laughs> We've cooked a lot and we will cook a lot. But this cooking and this role of the Tenzo is so important because our minds decorate the food. Our minds select the food, select the quantities, select the recipes, select the action, action that goes into it. So the role of the Tenzo is really important because then it goes straight into your bodies. So Dogen had a lot to say about the Tenzo's behavior and everybody else's behavior, the Eno, the Tanto, the uh, work leader was Zach. So his mind goes into the uh, meetings and the work that's given to you. So what kind of mind do you want our work leader to have? Right? We want that mind. And Dogen says the Tenzo, um, he wrote a chapter for everybody, but of course I read the chapter on Tenzo to refresh my, my commitment. Um, Tenzo should have three kinds of minds. The uh, magnanimous mind, big mind, joyful mind. Tenzo needs joyful mind to do that food for everyone. And uh, grandmotherly mind. <laughs> really and grandmother grandmotherly mind grandparental mind is super important in zen and in fact dogen declined to give uh dharma transmission recognition of full accomplishment to one of his students because he hadn't developed grandmotherly mind isn't that cool he didn't have that mind of a grandmother which is oh i will take care of you he said, this isn't about grandmotherly mind. This is about all three minds. There's a book called um, uh, 
Dogen's pure standards for the Zen community. Dogen and all great Zen teachers want us to be liberated from our habits of decorating and obscuring. It's another word for it. Ordinary mind is the all-obscuring mind. So the all-obscuring mind. We think it's decorated. We think we're seeing, but in the to Nagarjuna, it's the all-obscuring mind. Isn't that amazing? Actually, I'm obscuring reality by seeing you and giving you names. Dogen said to all of us, but Tenzo, work leader especially, when you take care of things, do not see with your common eyes. Isn't that nice? So that's like bad uh, initial reality. Do not see with your common eyes. Do not think with your common sentiments. Pick a single blade of grass and erect a sanctuary for the jewel king, Buddha. Enter a single atom and turn the great wheel of the teaching. So even when you are making a broth of coarse greens, do not arouse an attitude of distaste or dismissal. Even when you are making a high-quality cream soup, do not arouse an attitude of rapture or dancing for joy. Of course, we can't help that. <laughs> if you already have no attachments, how could you have any disgust? Therefore, although you may encounter inferior ingredients, did we? Not really. We're pretty careful. <laughs> do not be at all negligent. Although you may come across delicacies, be all the more diligent. Never alter your state of mind based on materials. So Dogen is repeating to us that we make the world with our mind. And when we let materials alter our state of mind, that's when we're really confused. My mind is going out there. Mind of joy, magnanimity, and uh, grandmotherliness. If I see a, um, um, a carrot that isn't the perfect carrot, and I let that disturb me, that's when I'm, the mind is really obscured. That's like bad conventional reality. We've had some really challenging carrots. So. <laughs> Dogen says, um, if you value anything, value realization of the way. Uh, if you value any time, value the time of realizing the way. As for what remains from cherishing immersion in the way, there is an emanation, even from offering sand as if a treasure. Um, to offer a piece of a grain of sand, I think I heard Brandon making his announcement this morning, um, or someone, Trisha, even to offer a grain of sand to a Buddha, to a temple wholeheartedly is much more important than offering treasure um, with, a, with an unclear heart. Wholehearted offering is what we're after. So out of this um, uh, out of this understanding of how we create the world, uh, we understand that our mind creates the world, and that when we understand that, we understand that creating cultivating compassion in our mind creates a compassionate world really, really decorates the world that we see. The um, 
opportunity that opportunity that we have coming up to get settled, shunyata, to settle in our calm mind, is meant for this. It's meant for us to get just a little glimpse of how our minds are working and to get some freedom in there. Meanwhile, knowing that most of the time we're decorating and obscuring reality, decorating and labeling reality, another really good thing to do is enjoy the show. Enjoy what you're doing. And just know, here I am decorating everyone I see. Decorating you as bodhisattvas, walking around and doing wonderful things, or doing the best you can. Everybody that you see is doing the best they can. So enjoy the show. Thank you very much.